0: And that's why we're here to help, okay? I miss Peter. I miss him so much. Mary, I want you to try to remember what happened 22 years ago on Christmas night
1: in Lowell. That's where we grew up?
0: Yes. Can you tell me what happened that night in Lowell?
1: Nothing happened.
0: Mary, something did happen. That's why we have these sessions to help you remember so you can get better, okay? Uh, yeah. No! Oh, I can't remember. File note. The patient is showing extreme agitation. She is putting her fingers in her mouth. Mary. Mary. Have you seen our doll, Mr. Doctor?
2: i want to come home. I am so sorry.
3: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hey. This week is our three-year anniversary. Woo! This episode, Woo-yay! three years of Speak All Evil, started on Valentine's Day of 2020. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that we're the same age as COVID. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we uh, really are, we are. yeah. <laughs>
3: Three years. I guess I thought there'd be a little bit more of a festive atmosphere for I'm,
1: our three. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, we we didn't we've been do waiting catering,
0: for this. We don't even have. Well, I have some I'm, snacks that I'm willing to share. I'm um, shotgun. I
1: thought oh, uh, maybe I'd. I be, have an old junior bacon cheeseburger in my car <laughs> from lunch. <laughs> I thought we'd be
0: celebrating
3: three years. That's a long time. It yeah? is.
2: It's like a relationship.
1: Yeah. This outlasted some relationships. I would say. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm proud of us.
3: I mean, it seems like uh, only yesterday, you know?
0: It really does. In some ways. We were just off going to Salem, learning about witch trials.
1: We should, now now that we can go out on trips again, I feel like we should do a Salem trip.
3: Salem Horror Fest is at the end of April now, instead of October, which to me makes it Mm -hmm. much more inviting. Yes. They decided to move it because October in Salem is just too, don't go there in October. I would advise anyone to just pick. Any other month, you can go yeah. to Salem. You can still do all the same stuff.
2: If you just go there and you just yell "Sarah," like two thousand people will look at you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, last time I went there, it was I turned around because I looked for parking for like forty five minutes and was like, "Well, this was fun." And then I always think about up.
3: that story. It's so sad. Cat drove to Salem and drove back home I because literally... <laughs> it was too stressful. <laughs> well, I see,
0: it was. <laughs> I can 100% see myself doing the same thing. Well, happy
2: Valentine's Day. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised we still haven't talked about My Bloody Valentine. We've had three chances to do it, and we haven't done it, but... I know. It's a great flick.
0: It is. Mm-hmm. You, you Re- remake is good,
3: too. Maybe you should have picked it for this I, week. I should have picked it, yeah. yeah. Uh, instead,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I picked 2001's Session 9. I think it's kind of an unsung hero among horror when we had... Uh, Travis and Sarah on the episode. They both cited it as one of their favorites. It's directed by Brad Anderson. Stars uh, Peter Mullen as Gordon. Uh, he's like the leader of this uh, five-man team. Of course, I cannot not say David Caruso as Phil. Mm. Very good in this. Just played it straight. Um, and the bully kid from Welcome
0: to the Dollhouse... Oh, he's Warren from Empire Records. Yeah, he, that's oh, okay. what I knew him Forever. for. Forever. Yeah. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff my, yeah, Jeff.
3: <laughs> he has my favorite intro in this because the, the guy says, oh, is, is that the new guy? And, and Mikey says, Yeah, they call it Jeff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a story of this five man abatement crew who cu- have two weeks to rid in a rundown asylum of asbestos and mold. And there's a little tension within the group. Um, one guy stole another guy's girlfriend, but they're back here and they need the money. They're all kind of desperate guys. And this actually reminded me, if someone said, I want you to make the movie The Thing, but you can't use special effects, it would be kind of like this. It's like the all-male cast, just like The Thing. Uh, there's all kinds of distrust and tension and suspicion within the group. So they do the classic trope of listening to a reel to real tape of therapy sessions of Mary, Simon, and Billy, who are one patient with multi multiple <laughs> multiple personality disorder. And this is a masterclass in suspense and minimalism. Um, they get haunted or whatever. It's just like a psychological kind of mind fuck At, at one point, um, this is for rental right now. I think it's well worth the money. Uh, well worth the coin.
3: I agree. I love this one. This is this is a great week, Dave. I really I've got a Thank you right off the top both of these picks nothing but class thank you a classy week you know we've had some what? we've had some back and forth we've had some tit for tat recently with some of these picks going to either extreme I appreciate that you came in and just gave us a straight up the middle good mm-hmm. solid cinema the both equalizer. of these movies Bromance. very good yeah. um, I hadn't seen this in a long time I saw it once in like 2008 this movie not only now lives on lists of underappreciated horror movies, you'll always see Session 9 on those lists. Even in 2008, before listicles were even a thing, this was still, I think I, this was recommended to me at the video store, I think. Even back then, it was considered an undersung classic of horror. I would think of this like if somebody did um, like a miniseries or a TV series of The Shining, this this season would be the shining asylum. <laughs> it's like the same. It's kind of like
0: yeah, it's a good call.
3: E- even the out the exterior shots of this place, this takes place at the Danvers um, Mental Hospital, which was a real place. Still is. It's been mostly torn down, unfortunately, in in Massachusetts. And it's a sprawling, spooky looking. It's like shaped like a bat, and that's how they describe it in the movie. That's actually accurate. That's what the the whole compound looks like, most of it was um, was demolished. I was bummed to find out. I was thinking a great field trip would be spend Ooh. the night in Danvers Hospital. Now, there yes, is some of it absolutely left. Absolutely not. That could still be on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, how much money would it take to, you have to spend the night, no phone. Spend the night in Danvers Hospital. One overnight, $10,000.
0: But we can record, right?
3: Sure, yeah.
1: So yeah, maybe not like you want. a
0: phone, but like, you know, no phone, if you actually you do... saw a ghost, you'd want to.
1: Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm in enough debt that I would, would do it for $10,000. Yes. I, I for might free. try to haggle. Yeah, well, I'll take
2: uh, his I need 10. I to check my Facebook. I can't do it. No <laughs> joke.
3: <laughs> I love David Caruso in this. Caruso at this point is just to me is like a, a reassuring, consistent kind of guy. He just, David Caruso always plays David Caruso. Mm-hmm. That, that's, he he this is this one thing. He does David Caruso better than anyone has ever done David Caruso, yeah. and he, and that's what he does in this. He's like the only difference in this. He doesn't do the sunglasses so much. This version, <laughs> he like smokes weed. It seems like at one point, I thought he was smoking a joint. Oh yeah. yeah. So he's a little more he's a little more blue collar version of his usual self in this. But he just plays that guy. He's like the straight man. He's the right hand man of this asbestos moving operation. The thing I, I didn't think of that, but you're right. That's it's this crew. This crew of characters, you have the boss, you have the right-hand man, you have the goofy tough guy, you have the serious guy who wants to be a lawyer, and you have they call it Jeff, the the young <laughs> punk. And I, I just I have I watched this a couple times. It's just so fun to watch the unraveling of each character and it's it's subtle. It's done very tastefully. It's scary. I thought this was like genuinely a scary movie. Great great time.
1: I thought this one was fine. I didn't dislike it but i think there were parts of it that could have been more more fun for me um obviously i really like the multiple personality you know tapes that we kind of hear because that was like the creepiest part for me is that fucking like little boy voice that mary was doing and then you know when was it bill is billy the big big boy the big guy? The evil Simon's one? The Simon's the evil one. Yeah. Billy's, yeah. Billy's the Is little, the little kid. Yeah, yeah, So that part, that was like a really interesting kind of arc to, to follow along with with the... With the guy who uh, does, no one k- want to do work. Like everyone just kind of goes uh, off. Yeah, some to, they're like, we got one week to do it, and everyone's I like, know. I'm gonna listen to this tape <laughs> for a couple <laughs> <of> <laughs> hours. And I'm like, that's what? the
3: thing. Every scene is them talking about how because they've underbid this job because Gordon yeah. needs the job to be Every scene is talking about how they're gonna have to do this in one week. But every scene they're laying in the grass yeah. talking about how, <laughs> how eating sandwiches. That yeah. yes. yes.
1: So no wonder. Anyway. No wonder. But yeah. So. That that part was interesting. I mean, I'll always think a dark tunnel is spooky. So add some weird fucking lobotomy shit to a dark tunnel, then absolutely uh, into that one as well. I think maybe what was weird to me is like the pacing of the movie. I thought it was kind of like a little drawn out. Like you didn't really get to like the meat and the potatoes, the the action. Um, I feel like until pretty well into it. But there was a lot of character development. I just, I kind of saw the ending coming from like a mile away. Like as soon as... Oh, yeah? Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, I kind of did too. You're like... It's it's not that
3: sly. Exactly. The stuff with Gordo. Gordo. Yes, exactly. And his
1: wife or whatever. I'm like, nah, this is what's going to happen, right? Like Nick called it too. I was like, yeah, I mean... But doesn't make it any less interesting i guess but it kind of just came it feel like it felt like it kind of just like came out of nowhere it was like and now this part and it's like what the fuck so i kind of wish that they had maybe spent more time on that but also i think there's something to be said for like an abrupt psych kind of a situation um but yeah i i enjoyed it i wouldn't say it's like i would say it's my all-time favorite but i i would watch it again i liked all the actors love csi um, so, I liked that we saw a bunch of those people. Just a nice little, like, early aughts kind of ra- rag- rag- ragamarole.
0: It felt 90s, I thought, even though it was aughts. Hmm. It looks 90s. Uh, yeah, this is one that I totally missed when it came out. And, like, you, Trent, I don't remember what the first time I saw it, but it was definitely one where, like, Bloody Disgusting or something had this list of, like, like the 10 best movies you've never seen. And so when I watched it, I kind of felt like you did, Cat. I was a little bit underwhelmed because, I mean, I agreed that maybe the first, like, 30 to 40 minutes is a little bit slowly paced. But then I think they give you some good nuggets of everything for the rest of the movie. But there's a lot going on. Like, you know, you guys have already alluded to the fact that, like, each character has their nuance and sort of, like, their own demons that they're dealing with on a personal level. Then you throw in these tapes and then you throw in some sort of like supernatural like overarching things it's a lot to digest in one sitting for such a, a, a you know relatively slowly paced but i do think there's enough in there um but i'm psyched that i got to watch it again because it had been long enough that i didn't really remember much you know um but i knew like i knew i knew the end mm-hmm. i just this time I was able to watch it and look for like those Easter eggs that they give you along the way. Yeah. Um so that it's it I think the rewatchability of this movie is high because I do too. Yeah. there's a lot that you can pick out uh, throughout the course of it. Um you know, the movies that you guys were talking about, um that it reminded it reminded me um of the Evil Dead. Yes, me too. Especially ter- the tape Yeah, like I kinda got yeah. like the whole like even just listening to the tapes almost like released in evil. Yeah, like I got that like whole cool oh. vibe, like just waiting for like that shot through one of the creepy tunnels, like Evil Dead style, like in the woods. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of uh, Identity, which is a movie that I love, um, and then like a little bit like Shutter Island uh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, give me any movie in an abandoned mental asylum, I'm I'm down for it. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen Grave Encounters. It's like a found footage. Yeah, I know. Kind of like a yeah. B like found footage. I don't know if you guys remember, we had this, we had a facility like this, much smaller than the Danvers facility in Grey New Gloucester, and it closed down. Um, And like they say in this, because you have like CSI guy, what's his name there? Paul Mm Guilfoyle, who's uh, another CSI alum. He talks about how like the patients were like coming back. So my friends and I used to drive out there when they closed this place down, and I shit you not like we would be like driving through the grounds and there would be like a woman in like a white nightgown coming because they had set them free.
1: Oh my god. And like god. these people were
0: coming back. So they had to start like they had to hire a security company who would bust us every time after and be like you kids need to stop driving out here because there are literally like mental patients coming back because they they, they think this is still their home.
2: Fuck that! Uh, I love that you started that with "I shit you not." <laughs> <laughs> it's very geographically accurate. Very New England. I would shit.
0: But anyway, I loved this, um, Dave. Uh, thanks for making me go back and watch it. Um, it's it's totally it totally should be on the criminally underseen uh, horror horror film list. The listicles that Trent.
2: I think the thing that both films have in common, if anything, uh, this week is that they're both scary.
0: Yeah. Like this, this is They're pretty... tense. I would genuine. say tense.
2: Yeah. Uh, this, this one, like, scared me. Like, the part... I just want the guy to take his headphones off. Oh. Like, stop listening to jazz for a scary. second. There's something rolling yeah. up on you right now. Like, uh, I'd be scared if it was just the threat of asbestos. This looks like a shitty job. Um, I wouldn't... I would be scared just if it was that, and also if it was in this
0: creepy setting. Ugh. Well, the other thing you guys talk about is, you know, the whole hey, we only have one week to do this, and then every other scene is them taking breaks or going to get lunch. Like, oh, we're watching it right now. They they got lunch. Um, Once
3: again, they're at lunch for most (laughs) of (laughs) the (laughs) movie.
0: But the other thing is they keep, like, really pressing upon one another. Like, keep your PPE on. Keep your mask on. Keep your suit on. But every scene, they're like, just no masks on, spraying this goo and like walking around. Like, it's like, it's every single thing that they like really try to drive home in the movie, the uh, exact opposite transpires before your eyes.
2: And, and you actually don't get a, a clear understanding of how much time does elapse. No, um,
0: they, I mean, they do the title cards. The it's it's <laughs> Monday through Friday. <laughs> oh, it is. It's all, they do, yeah, they one do the week. title cards one be week. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's
2: another it's a thing little like left up shining. in the air whether they finished or not.
0: Oh, I don't think they I finished. Think spoiler. They did. <laughs> spoiler. Oh, they didn't finish the job. Yeah, we've done Go a hired nice, these guys. We've done a nice like once around the table. Like I think we can get into spoiler territory because I want to I really want to talk about some of that.
2: Well, it's a, it's an old movie. I think uh, most people who are familiar with horror has, have probably seen it. Well, yeah, but we said are,
3: it's underseen. So I don't think true. you can we're we're introducing it as a maybe you haven't seen it.
2: Yeah. Uh, They
3: don't finish the job. I don't think that's giving anything away. The job job doesn't get done.
0: Yeah, you don't need to see the movie much beyond like 10 minutes to realize that that's not going to happen. It's a horror movie. Like, it's not like, oh my God, we have until midnight on Friday, and they finish it and they all high five and we get a happy ending in the credits roll. I thought that that it does.
3: I think, and this is written also by Brad Anderson. Wrote and directed this. He would go on to do The Machinist. Crazy. Everybody knows The Machinist. 2004, Christian Bale came on the radar. You ever seen that cat where Christian Bale lost like 100 pounds? He's. he's I've
1: seen pics.
3: Totally of emaciated him. through the whole movie. Yep. And then um, Anderson, he's done a bunch of movies since then. Nothing that. He didn't write as much after this. Most of his directorial work is written by someone else, but he's done a bunch of interesting looking stuff that I haven't seen. Nothing that really broke through.
0: Well, he also directed a ton of episodes of the TV show Fringe, that I absolutely love. But yeah, I couldn't believe that this was the guy that did the machinist. Like that kind of blew me away when I saw it. And then the co-writer um, plays Mike, the guy that finds the g- the guy that's not all that worried about getting the job oh, done. Oh, that's the
3: co-writer. Yeah, because he oh. finds the
0: tapes and starts listening to them.
3: Yeah, lawyer, lawyer guy. Mm-hmm. I thought the characters. I I really liked the tension among the characters because you have. Caruso is playing Phil, and one of the other guys, uh, Hank, on the on the job, he has he's with Phil's ex girlfriend now. There's been some sort of romantic rivalry, and Hank has has won out. So right away, and there's this tension between all of them. There's the relationship tension. There's Gordo, who is like obviously in financial trouble. He's way underbid the time on this job it's a two to three week job he's he's been one week and then you have the kid uh, Gordo's uh, nephew so it, it sets up all this sort of natural tension among the uh, the characters that I thought was pretty effective at like kind of just creating a, an unsettling mood before you even get to any of the spooky stuff can you still get a lobotomy well Is we that... know how to do one now they teach yeah, they... you <laughs> yeah, yeah. they teach you in this movie they teach you how to do a lobotomy
0: Is that what you want for our anniversary? Maybe, maybe, yeah.
3: I'd be happy to help. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, we haven't mentioned that uh, Hank is played by Josh Lucas, American Psycho. He's oh, like one of Patrick right. Bateman's like regular yeah. bar buddies. Oh, I was like he wants, like cocktail I forgot buddies about that. from American Psycho.
1: Also in uh, Sweet Home Alabama, lest we forget. Paul, <laughs> never Paul something is not his
0: name <laughs> like one? Paul
2: something? What's that? Isn't his character in American Psycho? No, that's Paul.
1: No, the uh, that, uh, that's Jared Leto. Paul oh, Allen. Right, Paul Allen. Yeah. Um, I am curious as to why Gordon is Scottish. Is he doing an he, a, he's
3: it? He's Scottish in real life.
1: But was he trying to act like he wasn't from Scotland at all? Or no, he, he has just... an
3: accent in the whole, the whole movie. He has yes. a Scottish accent, but wha- he's from Scotland.
1: But, but but they're not in Scotland, But they're in Boston.
3: Sometimes people from Scotland move other places.
1: No, <laughs> so no. He, he's
2: uh, he's also in Ozark. Oh, Steve Snell. The Snell Farms. Fuck yeah, that's who that is. Another show
0: called Top of the Lake. You're talking about Gordo Peter Mullen? Yeah. He was in Children of Men.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay, I kind of thought of him as, uh, he just reminded me, like the way he looks, he's like James Caan at home. I thought this was kind of like...
0: So you got Caruso really playing down Caruso. You got sad, sad, introvert James Conn
3: Caruso is an interesting figure to me in, in Hollywood and acting. This is sort of after the fall. This is 2001. So Caruso, you probably don't remember NYPD Blue Cat. That show was on like when you were born.
1: Yeah, I do. There was, I, it was I, a, I a, this one. is
3: back. Caruso is a star from a, a unique thing that doesn't. I don't think happened as much anymore. He was a star from... The three major network back when we were younger, you had three major networks, and and they had, you know, sitcoms, and they had like crime procedural dramas, ER or medical dramas, saying elsewhere, Hill Street Blues. It was it was like explaining television.
1: Yeah, (laughs) he's mansplaining television to me.
3: David Caruso, because I think it's interesting. (laughs) So Caruso starred on NYPD Blue, and he became an immediate overnight sensation. He was like. The guy, red hot, and he left that show after one season and four episodes. He didn't even, he didn't go like the Clooney route where you try to stay with what's working and, and develop some uh, some experience and kind of up your value. He just got out of there. He went like the Chevy Chase route. One season, boom, I'm going to Hollywood, going to be a movie star, did not pan out, did yeah. a couple poorly received movies. People didn't really seem to like him that much as a lead man. And then so he I just think it's interesting that he ended up just going back to police procedural and did ten years on CSI. CSI yep. Miami.
0: Got. And and I my God, I think because I loved the original CSI so much and I think you know, you get caught up. I, I know that we started <clears throat> watching CSI Miami. Caruso bugged me so the sunglasses thing. <laughs> it was so like comedic. But I think yeah. he was trying to be so serious. Like, he is that cool. and It's, like, it's as cool no. as you can get as a ginger, I think. I think he reached oh, <laughs> the <laughs> apex. Well, the, cool, yeah. the
3: coolest was NYPD Blue. He was cool on that show. What and then he? he ended up doing a caricature of that on CSI. Yeah. Where See, I now, never
0: saw NYPD Blue. He's just a so
3: sunglasses guy. He takes them on. He puts them <laughs> yeah. on. You
1: know, takes
0: them off. He puts them on. Every episode, he'd just have like a catchphrase. Right. He's like and fucking Dave with the puns. Off.
1: Dave is like the fucking David Caruso of the podcast. Yeah, Dave,
0: you need to start wearing sunglasses and taking them off. The puns, puns the
3: puns are
1: his sunglasses. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he...
0: Pun glasses.
3: <laughs> oh, come <on>. Three years. <laughs> Over
0: 1,000 days together. <laughs> Uh, the music in this I thought was really good the score um, I think that was one of the kind of like additional characters because you know it's a very small cast I'd never heard of this group the Climax Golden Twins and I couldn't really find a whole ton more that they did but uh, I thought this had like a really cool like 80s 90s-ish score I'd that... say the
2: Climax Golden Twins probably did porn soundtracks after this just a wild shot in the dark because the name
0: is Climax in Golden And twins.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Had anyone ever heard of Nyctophobia? Not until I saw this
3: movie again. I didn't remember that
0: part. Yeah, me either. I was really surprised they didn't shame him more for that.
3: Like, well, you're afraid of the dark. Yeah, they
0: were kind of busting his balls on like everything, like even his mullet.
3: But they weren't making fun of him for
0: being afraid of the dark.
3: Yeah, Nyctophobia is fear of the dark. I thought it was just called being afraid of the dark, like most people. Yeah. But apparently there is a. a
1: condition, nyctophobia. I I do not like the dark. I'm one of them.
0: Did you guys read anything about um I I know I've already mentioned that like they throw a lot at you in this movie and that like, there are a lot of subplots and even though it is a small cast, you are trying to keep up individually with each character's sort of like inner demons and and their I wouldn't say development, I would say their complete falling apart. Um I guess there was a subplot of a woman that lived in the tunnels. So like a I think an old patient that had snuck back.
3: Oh, really? And I didn't know that lived in the tunnels. Okay.
0: But I guess test audiences it confused them because they thought it was Mary Hobbs. But it oh, it yeah. wasn't supposed to be Mary Hobbs. I'm I'm kind of glad because for me I think one of the things that the movie does well is you are kind of want wondering as like the horror starts and things start bad things start happening to people, you are kind of wondering who it could be. That was confusing to me because I thought um, Bill, the
3: lawyer guy, he tells the story of the patient. One of the, the one of the reasons that the place closed initially, the security guard says it was the budget cuts and the move to um, to community group home type living and stuff like that. But then Bill chimes in and says, "Well, the other thing that caused the the closure was that a patient was there and was convinced that she had repressed memories of the satanic panic '80s type stuff, yep. and her family sued." Danvers for so much money that they had to close that in addition to the budget cuts closed it down so after that story I was just assuming that the tapes were hers Alice something or other, is the story that Bill tells I thought that the tapes were her being having this false uh, repressed memory confession but the tapes are just some other random lady
1: that's maybe that's why I didn't like love it as much as I wanted to because there were so many parts that weren't really woven really together, together correctly. Yeah, 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 I yeah, agree. yeah. And yeah. I thought the tape thing, like,
3: I don't know. It's it was fine, spooky. And it's, it's a great title because Session 9 is the yeah. ninth tape. They're, they're labeled Sessions 1 through 9. But we've seen it a million times, the tape of the, you know, I thought it was a little cheap.
2: Yeah. My, my favorite subplot was this uh, kind of like buried treasure yeah, yeah. kind of thing where yeah. it's the back of the crematorium, Right. And you know, and people are burned with their jewels on and their their eyes and their gold teeth and everything and this guy's like reaching in the wall. He doesn't realize he's reaching in there. He just finds this treasure mm-hmm. and all these coins and he's pulling out. I was thinking the coins are probably uh like on people's eyes. You know, don't they put coins on people's eyes when they die like back Sometimes
1: and Yeah, some to, to pay the
2: to pay the toll to to troll toll. Yeah, to pay the tolls. You can buy your way into heaven? Oh, that's, yeah. this right here. This right here is one of the scariest parts to me when he finds a fresh peanut butter.
3: Well, the, the weird <laughs> thing is then there's a later scene. Yeah, I was like, why? There's a, a jar of peanut butter. It's empty. But then when they show that flash, that flashback scene of Gordo going home and he has his bag of groceries... They show the
0: Jiff peanut butter. Uh, yeah, a couple things in, from that bag come the, back. That was
3: in his grocery bag. Yeah, no, I don't know I'm why he brought it to Danvers and ate it. But, but I'm, no wondering, gonna... I'm wondering
0: too. There's a few scenes that I wonder if they couldn't take out of like the woman living in the tunnels, and so they had to like maybe yeah, do some, some additional glipses. scenes because like, Hank sees to someone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like they couldn't. They couldn't cut it out.
3: But that's a great scene. It's scary. I love when Hank, Hank is the guy that Dave was talking about finds the all the gold, that he thinks it's in the wall, it's the back of the crematorium, like I say, but he goes back at night when everyone's gone to get the treasure, and he thinks that his ship has come in, and then he never shows up at the job the next day, so that that's one of the main things that happen is they start wondering what happened to Hank, and I thought that was also very scary when Hank comes back, when yes. the kid sees him. That whole sequence, to me, was so scary that they think he's gone to Florida and made off with the gold and all this, and it turns out he hasn't that was really effective i thought that
0: was scary and and that's where like the supernatural like you, that's when your brain starts going towards like supernatural movies that we've seen yeah mm-hmm. um the jacob's ladder
3: almost even and uh, we
0: haven't even really gotten into the fact that like gordo is the leader of this of this group and and we keep mentioning um you know his groceries and stuff well gordo eventually they find out you know he's having trouble with his wife and they have a, they have a newborn baby gordo looks a little bit like, maybe an older dad.
3: We keep you seeing know. that he's very much older. That was uh, a thing in the Cronenberg movies that we talked about a couple weeks ago, too, where there's a really old guy that has an infant. This is the same, same thing. So, in this. so
0: Gordo's tired. He's a little bit cash-strapped. Um, he's having some trouble with the wife, and he keeps telling uh, Caruso, like, I can't go home. I can't go home. Like, I just want to go home. Uh, so there's also that entire subplot that's happening, um, and as Trent alluded to, like, we only sort of, like, get things through, like, these quick flashbacks, um, but, yeah, watching these guys, you know, kind of fall apart and just increasingly become distrusting of one another is is one of the best parts of the movie, um, and we haven't even talked about the fact that, you know, when Hank goes missing, uh, they bring in Larry Fessenden. I'd rather have
2: a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Ew. Uh, The next movie that I chose to force my friends to watch this week was 2022's Watcher, directed by Chloe Acuno, starring Micah Monroe as Jules, Carl Glusman as Francis. Uh, They are a couple that moves to Romania from New York, and Micah Monroe is kind of a stay-at-home, not mom, but just stay-at-home wife. She doesn't speak Romanian, which Im- immediately starts everything off um, disorienting and a like, little uncomfortable. I like how the whole movie uh, is kind of like a POV cinematography, uh, and it kind of like plays a character in these like little glances that you see and like people kind of looking away from from things that you know you might not stare directly at, especially if you're you know scared. Uh, this is like dismissive horror. Uh, It's like people don't believe you. It's not the people that are like running back into the house or trying to run to the car and like slashers where you're like, oh my god don't go to the attic. What are you, stupid? It's like she knows exactly what's going on. She's very aware of her, her surroundings and she's very aware of this danger. I thought that this was a great perspective on how it feels to be stalked. I think it's one of the better Shutter Originals that came out this year. It's definitely in my top ten for the year. There's way too many things called Watcher. The Watcher, Watchers, Watch This, like it, everything is this, but this is just Watcher, and it for a really good, suspenseful like noir kind of thing, uh, I, I, lo- I love this movie.
0: Yeah, this was completely off my radar. I had no idea when you had first started talking about it and then picked it didn't know anything that Micah Monroe had really done since It Follows. I think one of the um, most powerful parts of Watcher is the whole Hitchcock rear window um, aspect of it. This woman has moved to Romania. Her husband is from Romania and speaks Romanian, and he's gotten this big promotion. So he's off at work, and he's really trying to, like, make his mark on the company. And, you know, Jules, Micah Monroe's character, uh, there's a serial killer that's out in their in their city and he's killing women. And she one night just looks out the window and sees some guy just staring at her. And so after like one of the scariest uh, moments of the movie is after a few times of this and her kind of like mentioning it to her husband, to uh, Francis, and, and him being very dismissive. that this, this is an incredibly dismissive movie, I think, is probably what should be in like any description of it. She finally kind of like stares back at this guy one night and then like lifts her hand up in like a wave and then kind of takes her hand down and like five, six seconds go by, it's so good. And then she turns her head away like, well, guess he isn't looking at me. And then in the background, you see his hand go up. There's so many good, very Hitchcockian moments like that. This did have me guessing the entire time. I would say, you know, session nine, I think, Maybe because I'd seen it before, but I do think it like tipped its hat a couple of times or tipped its hand a couple of times. This one really did have me wondering the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, was she being gaslit, or you know, is? She, I mean, again, the movie starts you off with this woman that just feels so isolated because of the language barrier. It's very slowly paced, but what I will say is, 96 minutes, but it doesn't feel it like it. It for a slow burn it's very brisk. It gets you through there and then, kind of like session nine, it does do a very quick third act wrap-up, but the payoff is just astounding. Even if you're somebody, I know that there are some people out there that are going to be like, I fucking knew this movie from the get-go. I knew right where it was going to go. Okay, well, good for you. Um, I did not, and when I got to the end of this, I was like truly shocked and I felt very rewarded. So, yeah, this is a great one.
1: Yeah, when it, First started, I was kind of like, eh, like I wasn't super into it um, just because it was like, I thought it was pretty slow going. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, she's probably, I did the same thing. I was like, she's probably, it's probably like all in her head. It's probably like, um, it reminded me a lot of, oh, what did we just watch with Rebecca Hall? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Resurrection. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. It reminded me a lot of that kind of vibe she's where being you're like, hysterical. Yes, where you're like, what, exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> where it's like, wait. Is she like? Is she imagining this like that kind of a zone? Um, but then it was, it kept going and it it really pulled me in. And I absolutely love Micah Monroe, uh, who plays the lead, um, who, as you said, was in It Follows, and pretty sure that was my first movie pick for the it podcast. Was. It, it was. And look at us three years ago. So that's a fun Micah. little full circle guy. Um, But she's so good in this role. She absolutely just really conveys that fear of being stalked and no one, like, really believing you or or caring or doing anything about it. And that was, like, the big scary part because that's, you know, for stalking victims, this is, like, a very real, like, thing that happens where it's like, well, he hasn't really done anything, so he can't you know, arrest him. So you're probably imagining it. Like when the guy's like, you're stalking me. Like when he turns it on her, that kind of a thing. So it seemed very real in that aspect. And, uh, you know, luckily, not all stalking cases end the way that this one did. I love the ending. I wish the pacing is weird in this movie, but it's so good. I just wish the ending was longer because I liked it so much. It was like kind of what, I wanted to happen, but wasn't really sure because there's so much up in the air in this movie. Yeah, I could have gone for a little battle royale there. Yeah, there you know what I mean. Because once you realize what's happening, you're like, "Oh shit, she was right," kind of a thing. And then I just wanted more of it, but I thought it was, I just, I don't know, I loved this movie. I was really glad to to have watched this. It's it was a great week. You know, we had the we had the gasps. We had the dark tunnels, and then we had real life horror of, you know, stalkers and decapitation.
3: Yeah, another great one, great pick. I love this movie. this This would be in my probably be in my top ten of twenty twenty two. Make him Monroe. Wow, mesmerizing. Ooh, yes, <laughs> hypnotizing, <laughs> enchanting, spellbinding, spellbinding.
1: <laughs> real I mean, hot.
3: She, she's in a, almost every frame. Of this movie, yeah, like This is a friend. this is a Rebecca Hall performance. You're just looking at Maycomb and Monroe the whole entire time. So if you're going to have a movie where the main character appears in every screen, you could do a lot worse. You know? <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. Did you know she's a uh, she's a professional kite boarder? I did not. Know. No. Are do you, know, you? Do you are, know what kite you, is? Is that like surfing with a kite? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's surfing with a kite, or like water skiing. <laughs> with a kite and apparently there are so many people who kiteboard at a uh, a professional competitive level that there is actually professional kiteboarding.
1: Um Maybe
3: you guys all knew that. I didn't I know did, that. I no, didn't no, know that. I to do. Me.
1: Uh, I see people kiteboarding at um at a beach at uh well, can't think of the name, so it really doesn't matter. I've seen it in real life and it looks very cool. Yeah. So, I'm very impressed by her. And yeah, her I mean, kite I just think abilities. it's an
3: interesting, you know, she's a, a pro kite boarder and actress model. She was in, uh, not only it follows, but The Guest, we haven't talked about. It. I don't think I ever saw The Guest, 2014 uh, ish Adam Wingard directed film. Um, other stuff too. This is a, like you guys said, you know, this we could have talked about this when we talked about Rear Window or Kimmy. I mean, this is obviously in, in that tradition. I Thought it uh, was very well paced. I liked the setup because the setup of this movie, the plot setup, is the same as I was originally uh, using for Namaste, my my unwritten, unfinished screenplay, where uh, the couple has to move somewhere new. The man has a new high-powered job, and his partner is sort of left uh, a bit aimless all day. Sitting around the apartment and trying to learn Romanian, a fish out of water. That's the the very first scene of this movie, I, and I love the way it's done. Starts right off with her not understanding what people around her are saying, including her boyfriend, because they're all speaking Romanian. Very, um, um, what's the um? Je ne sais quoi. No, the movie you guys all love, Rosemary's Baby. Very. <laughs> Rosemary's
2: <laughs> Baby. I was just going to talk that, about that. That, yeah. that
3: sort of paranoia where you know every everyone's talking about you but like they are i mean they're they're not talking necessarily about you although that happens too but everyone is speaking a different language than you literally so she's only catching snippets of what's being said and you know the reports of the killer are on the tv and her boyfriend is only telling her certain things she doesn't know because you know it's all in a, in a foreign language so i thought that was a really interesting sort of sort of angle to have that language barrier i Loved the guy across the street. I loved when he turns it around on her, that subway scene where they mm-hmm. finally meet in the subway. So good, and she apologizes to him. Oh my God. Um, loved the ending of this. I, you know, I thought it was, I was just surprised. The whole ending, I was surprised at each scene. I mean, you really don't know what's going to happen until it happens. So, really, really good. I would highly recommend watching her.
1: Fuck yeah.
2: I've, I've been in a language barrier relationship. Uh, With a girl who spoke French. And every once in a while, you know, there are those conversations that people are just speaking French. And then you just get this sort of perception that they said something about you. Right. There's something in their body language that, you know, like... And you're just like, oh... That was about me. What did you just say? No,
3: tell me. What what did you uh, say? The
2: translation of that? That happens in this movie. Well, uh, what the translation of that, what I just said, was, like, speak, no evil. There were moments in this where, with a language barrier, uh, the people she meets, also if they do speak English, it's a very basic where they need a translator. So, uh, when she explains, like, what happened, it, it sounds so basic. Because it's this a very simple form of like what happened, and none of the nuance of like this guy is is able to be in it. And I like that they they call him the Spider.
1: Is it because he decapitates people? Do spiders do that?
0: I don't know. I, I don't. In the I guess in the script it was Headhunter, oh. and for some reason they changed it to M- the Spider.
2: Uh, Ka- Caitlin's uncle was nicknamed the Spider because he had a really big body. And little arms and little legs.
1: <laughs> <It's>, oh. <laughs> so maybe that's <laughs> why, oh. <laughs> like the tick. Uh,
0: I think some of the best scenes in the movie are when they are the stalking scenes. So she is convinced that this this guy that has been watching her from across the street, according to her. Um, there's some really good tense scenes where she's, you know, trying to evade him. Um, but when she flips the script and she starts following him, I love those cuz they're equally as tense. You're you're kind of like waiting for like her to get caught. And like Trent you mentioned like the subway scene is so powerful, but then also when he brings like the cops to her house, it's literally one of the creepiest handshakes that I've ever seen mm, yeah. <laughs> in a film. Or the dialogue about the the, the why the train is
2: stopped that there might be a dog on the tracks and how you extract the dog and how long it takes. It just, it, it was really creepy.
3: It's a great looking movie too. It just looks really good. It's really well shot. It's really well lit. It just is enjoyable to look at. I was kind of just putting this on throughout the week and and watching it because it's just right there on shutter. It's just a, a really good movie to look at.
0: Also very, very sparsely scored with really jarring sound design. Like anytime someone would be knocking on the door, I mean, if you really go back and, and watch this and listen to how little music is in it, but it makes it very impactful when like someone's banging on the wall, or there's just these really jarring like sound design pieces to this um, that I think kind of add to the tension. I'd be curious to go back and watch like Rear Window or some of the Hitchcock stuff. Um, to see, you know, how he used some of that because I don't think I paid. You know, we we talked a lot about the score. We did Psycho and and everything like that. But I'd be curious to see um, where um, what is it? Uh, Chloe Akuno, the director. Like, um, I, I'd love to find some stuff with her talking about the direction she took uh, with this.
2: Yeah, you always get the you the feeling like they they're leaning into you expecting an unreliable narrator. You expect it to be like mm-hmm. Resurrection. Um, and that's that's what I thought was like so uh, you know, like inherently feminine about it is that that it leaned into like the tropes that Hollywood always does in movies, but then flipped it. But the Battle Royale would have been nice if they had really gotten into it. They did a little bit. Uh, the back over the head is a really good move. He general? just has a, speaking, he <laughs> MO. speaking from experience, <laughs> Dave, know, he had a, he had an mo. You know, it was always like he did the same things. He put the bag over the head. He slit the throat. Sometimes he got so eager that the girl was de- declared decapitated uh, because he got almost all the way through. Yeah, but not quite. Like,
1: dude, when she just like turn in the corner and just seeing like a headless body, I was like, <gasps> oh, that was wild. Oh yeah, no, that was that's that's why we do it. There's moment. a scene
3: where, um, where she's following the guy through the subway or whatever. Very possession reminded me a lot of that scene in in possession, the the famous scene. Mm-hmm. That tracks,
1: huh? Because it was subway tracks. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm in. I'm in tune with the puns now. <laughs> You've been trained. <sighs> enough yeah shout out
0: to <laughs> shout out to to burn gorman who plays weber who is our uh questionable stalker um and our suspect in the movie this guy it, he can play a world-class creep mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> i feel bad for these guys who are our typecast uh, like, yeah. well but roles. if you look at his filmography he's fine he's been in so many things so like how could he be <laughs> how could he be anything but a creep in any movie <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen everything. He was in Game of Thrones. Um. I was gonna say, like, maybe if you put like you know
2: a feather on him or something, in
1: mm.
2: medieval garb, maybe he looks like an old timey guy, but he's re- he's really creepy. He reminded me of the guy from Brutal. Wow, the little beady eyed guy, the little taut face.
3: My favorite uh, line in this is the quote: "The best outcome might be just having to live with the uncertainty." And I feel like wow. that's, uh, that's tough. That's one of the toughest things in life is to live with the uncertainty. And I feel like that's kind of a little bit of what's going on here is that there's so much uncertainty that you start to fixate on things and we are creating things. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to not have the answer. You know, this movie does... Give you an answer. I don't know if I would have preferred a little bit more ambiguity, but mm-hmm. to to the movie's credit, I guess it it
1: pays it pays off. It rewards your hour and a half of stress with doesn't cop a out payoff. It yeah. doesn't
3: cop out. It has an ending. Tells you what happens.
0: Yeah, I would say, and and like we're at the point here where she meets Irina, who is her neighbor in the apartment building. Uh, Irina almost seems to be like the only <sighs> like hopeful part of the movie. Where, like, oh, she has a friend and she has someone looking out for her. In the meantime, like, increasingly her husband becomes more, you know, dismissive and then his friends. And then, um, you know, she sort of acts up at a work event. So I think Irina, you know, kind of like represents some of the hope in the movie. Uh, And then that fucking ending. Mm -hmm. He says in Romanian, at least you have the spider
2: to keep you company. Yeah, that's, like I will joke about it, how she's home alone all the time. Yeah, like, that's the that's what called. did
3: you just say scene where yeah. she she yeah. catches him making a joke about her in Romanian, right? I'm uh, curious
0: how this didn't get a bigger release.
3: This was a pretty big this was a pretty big deal was on shutter. It? Yeah, for most of the summer Well, for summer shutter and fall. But like
0: uh, like something this well done to didn't just get not, more of a theatrical run yeah, or, to get yeah. not like more of a theatrical. I don't, yeah, I I don't mean, know good.
3: if it, I don't know if it was in theaters or not.
0: I think it had a box office. I think the budget was like three million, and I want to say the box office was like two point six. So it must have had some kind of run. But okay. I'd literally never heard of this, and I'm not complaining that a gem like this is f- at my fingertips any time of day on Shutter. <laughs> um, I'm just curious as to like what the, you know, this ever evolving, you know, film release model, how something this amazing, or even like Resurrection, like I don't know if that had a theatrical release. It um, did, yeah, it did. I don't think it was a big one, but in Maine we don't we don't get
2: a lot of the uh movies on the outskirts.
0: I don't know. Trent Trent's usually like the Nick is Nick usually comes through for us on a lot of stuff, so
3: they can only yeah, I mean they, they can only do so much. They still have to run Avatar and <laughs> all the yeah. various Marvel movies and No,
2: to me this looked like a big budget Hollywood movie where the last movie was very um, time-stamped with, like, the stylistic things of, I would even say, the 2000s. Uh, I mean, the 90s, even though it was made in the 2000s, it was a little bit like TV movie. This one is really expensive-looking and really, I don't know, really classy.
3: Next week, we're talking with Emily Hagens, who wrote and directed the brand-new Shutter original film called Sorry About the Demon.